0: Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I'm so excited today to have Amy Vetter, who is a mindful technologist and creator of the B3 method. She is a CPA and a yogi. So this is actually a very fascinating concept because she's taking two very different worlds, a world of a lot of corporate pressure and numbers, and you know, she speaks about stress and all these kinds of things, and the world of yoga. And, and what's amazing about her approach is she's learned how to balance um, both being active and successful in your careers and your family with a spiritual practice and setting the intention and really sees that when you are out of balance, you don't do the corporate stuff well. And I think that that's an absolutely fascinating concept because so often we're looking to find our edge and we're trying to figure out how do I get better? But oftentimes the answer is not more. The answer is not going further. The answer is actually turning in. And as she actually speaks about in a TED talk, she act, the idea of disconnecting. And one of the things that we speak a lot about is how these basic truths, which are so important, are not necessarily brought up in our religions and our our different institutions of faith growing up, but are actually part of the religion and that there is somewhat of a disservice that's done by not teaching people that there are fundamental truths of consciousness and mindfulness um, that are like prevalent in, in our own backgrounds. So however you get it, you know, I know that a lot of the stuff we might speak about might sound weird, or you know, like no one like I don't, I don't know what this weird yoga stuff is. But the the interesting thing is try it, and the interesting thing is to to consider what do I have to lose, and when I can move from the intellectual and the brain part of my body to my breathing and to my body, and and just kind of like disconnect from how I see the world to how I'm feeling. There is tremendous growth that potentially could be could be reached. So uh, if that is your experience, I, I hope it is. And if if we could do anything, if I could do anything to help in terms of creating different kinds of content, please let me know. Please, I, I really appreciate feedback uh, for all of the episodes. I, I worked very hard to try to find the great guests and uh, Amy is a phenomenal example. So uh, if you got value out of this episode, please feel free to share it and to let me know. And with no further ado, Amy Venner. Amy Vetter, thank you so much for joining me today. You are a CPA and yogi. Um, so maybe you could talk to me about how these seemingly completely contradictory things have come together in your life and why you help other people actually find balance in their own life as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I came into it a little backward, um, but I think the way most people do, where their life kind of gets out of control with their career and their family and so forth and not finding enough time for yourself and whether you mean to or not, sometimes you just break down at a certain point and your body hits you and says you need to do something different. So uh, when I was about 32 years old, I became a partner in a CPA firm and at the same time had my second child and got very sick from the pregnancy. And I wasn't allowed to do my normal workouts and hard, you know, I was always doing boot camps and everything was pounding. My career was pounding, the exercises were pounding and and so forth. And uh, when I got sick um, from the pregnancy, I wasn't allowed to do uh, to work out, which was going to make me crazy. Uh, So the doctor said that the only thing I could do was yoga and uh i went begrudgingly to my first yoga class this was not something mm-hmm. i really wanted to do or thought that aligned with who i was uh, but because it's the only thing that i could do i was more open to it and as i started going more and more i started feeling so much better and also there was a lot of emotions that came up for me because you know you don't stop and pause a lot in your career and life especially as you're moving through it and, uh, through that journey, it really started pivoting some things that I was doing in my life. And, uh, I got deeper and deeper into the yoga side as well. I now own a yoga studio, uh, that is just type day that still comes out, but, uh, but it, it's been a very good balance to, a, you know, a hard professional career as most people, you know, have when you're determined to, keep driving yourself um, in your career, whatever you are, whether a CPA or anything. Um, But it's been very helpful to me to be able to find more than the yoga practice, but the philosophy of yoga as well. And that is really what stirred me to try to help other people once I have gone through my own journey um, and share some of these, practices and the way to make your work life better just so that you can feel better as well as be more present for the people around you.
0: So I, okay, this is great. So, so with the yoga philosophy, like what, give me a little bit of background on it and how it works and how it develops and how it might be different or aligned with the the physical practice. Like what does it, what does it mean? And like, what does the study look like? How did you get good at that?
1: And I think like most people and I own a yoga studio, Um, And even when I began, you can kind of think it's a religion, which is not a religion. Um, It is meant to be, you know, something that it can be spiritual for any, whatever your religion is. Um, But the most important part that it teaches you is to to detach from the outside environment that you're in and really start focusing and working on your concentration and being present in the moment. I mean, the thing with yoga is, you know, if you start getting distracted, you fall (laughs) over. So (laughs) um, you can really start catching your mind as it goes into that monkey mind of, you know, from branch to branch thinking all these different thoughts. And um, it's a good training, Um, you know, and some people are great meditators. Uh, You know, meditation has always been for me. Sometimes it's great for me, sometimes it's not. But I find yoga as a meditation in motion for me. That you know, it's not something to feel bad if you can't sit still, or if you need to lie down, or if you need to move in order to get to that presence of mind. It's more important that you figure out how to detach. And so through the yoga practice, you learn that, and then you start thinking like you know. um, An example is I know when I started yoga, the instructor would always be like you know use your breath, inhale and exhale. And I'd be like, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm just going to ignore this until one day you're doing it. And <laughs> yeah, this um, works. yeah. And you realize like how it's relaxing you when you're in a chaos situation through the practice. And then you go to work and you get in a stressful situation. And you're like breathe. And so like those things start reminding you, like I forget to breathe during the day. Um, and as the day starts coming at you and it's stressful, um, to remember to stop and breathe and, you know, and how you can reset yourself so that you react in the ways that you'd like. What's
0: your spiritual background? Did you have anything growing up and how did yoga deal with that?
1: I'm actually Jewish. So I saw that you're a rabbi. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, um, grew up, uh, reform Judaism um and i did too huh
0: i did too
1: oh okay yeah so uh i would say we um uh judaism to me has been an ethnicity i Mm -hmm. think um the most and um something i feel the lineage of my ancestors and um and so forth but i i think yoga has helped me from a spiritual perspective of it's not an ideology, right? Like Judaism or Catholicism, whatever whatever you have is a belief system. Where yoga is not necessarily a belief system; it's really more trying to find your own um, spirituality in general um, of of who you are, and not um, you know not letting ideology fit into that. It's it's a, it's a bigger space. I guess
0: this is the best way to no, it's, explain it. it. It's, it's, it's so interesting because, and I think that this definitely has a, happens to be that we're like 0.02% of the population, so I realize that for some people this might not be as relevant, but um, I, I think that for so many people growing up just in the Western world, having authentic... Centering spirituality being a part of the religion that you grew up with in your parents home is a fairly atypical experience Mm -hmm. Uh, For sure. I know this is true about 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 a lot of Jewish people I know but I think that most people that grow up in the American religious scene. Yeah, we are This but it didn't really touch me and you know, I go through my life later and and it's surprising to see how I, I think that it's it's fascinating because sort of what what you said is, is is interesting in the sense that we get a very strong push to succeed in our career to be successful in our life and we don't ever see ourselves or perceive ourselves as spiritual beings until mm. sometimes we find it on the other end of it and you're like I never thought I was this kind of a person I didn't realize right. <laughs> so so it's it's very interesting and I think that on the on the flip side one of the biggest challenges that a lot of people have engaging in any kind of a spiritual process when they are older, I'm going to say, let's say above 30 is that, you know, you don't want to get quote suckered into this kind of like weird religion. It's like, well, what, what is this? And, and it's interesting that you also had that same thing. And the only way you're able to kind of break out of that and to get all the benefit out of yoga that you did was you sort of fell into the fact that it actually sort of fit your life. Is that true?
1: Well, and I, I, it, it did. I would say, um, it, it really, Uh, I think with anything that you do, whatever the activity is, it may not be yoga, it could be painting, it could be knitting, whatever that outside activity that gives you release is what's important, right? And then um, whatever you learn from that activity that you can bring back into your daily life of, I think what's hard sometimes is when we're so stressed out and we're moving at such a fast pace, That what happens is we don't know what we're aiming for as far as a feeling.
0: Hmm.
1: And uh, so
0: so that's, that's, and we're not throwing that one away. Say that again. What does that mean?
1: Awareness. So we're not necessarily like uh, when we are getting stressed out during the day and we haven't really found for ourselves where we get release or what that feeling of release feels like we don't really know what we're trying to work toward right like we don't have a goal in the day of like well we need these moments of feeling like x when we don't take the moments to actually find that awareness in ourselves of how do we get there so like i said that could be yoga that could be your religion that could be reading a book whatever that feeling is when you're like oh my gosh my brain just relaxed And I relaxed, and I didn't feel pressure, even if it was for five minutes. So that's the feeling I want to try to work toward throughout the day, using my natural tools in my body to help me get there. But if we don't take those times for ourselves, personally, to, to actually study ourselves, to see what are those things that help us get that release? It's hard. We just become more and more stressed, which creates health issues, which creates sleep issues and everything else.
0: So so just I want to I want to see if I if I sort of get what what you're saying. I think that you're suggesting that the stress, the pressure that we put on ourselves is because we're trying to achieve something Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: which which I think for so many people. And I, I do a lot of work with with high school students and college students that they don't realize that when you hit a certain career or a certain income level or whatever it might be, it's not like suddenly you're, Oh good. I'm, I'm cured. I've found what I'm looking for. In most cases, it sounds like, you know, it was in my case in my life. And it sounds like your case in your life. It's like when you, you know, everyone wants a family. So, you know, they got to get a family and everyone wants a great career and you have the career. And then when all of this stuff is there, it's like, I feel more, I'm no I'm nowhere near to feeling that whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But Now I feel like this, this world's closing in on me. And so then you're saying that, the solution to that is find your outlet Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: learn how to, I guess, have a micro release. Not necessarily that the goal is not, it's not about getting to the end of the goal because that never happens, but rather creating the space in your own life to have that sense of presence. Is that accurate?
1: Absolutely, I mean, I think like you said, as you get to certain points in your career, getting what you want, right, in life, um, those become new demands on you and you feel like you can't control your life. Like everyone's pulling at you and so forth. And the fact is we do control our life if we're intentional about it, you know, cause there's always the excuses of, well, I could never do that. I don't have enough time or my boss would never let me do that. Or, you know, there's no way I have too many demands with my kids. There's, there is a way to find it within our day whether, again, if it's for five minutes. But we have to be intentional about it. We have to set time on our calendar, like as if it's something that has to do with our work or at home, but it has to be for ourselves Because if we don't tap into what gives us that release, there's no way for us to know how to get it. (laughs) We have to actually work toward the feeling so that we know, ah, like I feel a moment of just, openness, relaxed and so forth. So what do I need to do to bring that into, I mean, another example that, that I can use from yoga as well along these lines is, you know, one of the things I realized is every time a yoga class starts, you know, the teacher says, you know, set an intention for your practice and, you know, meaning like, what do you want to focus on today? Yeah. And we don't do that in our day. We don't start our day and say, what are one to three things we want to accomplish for ourselves today? You know, that we can mark off the list at the end of the day and say, we got this done just so that we can get that release of like, instead of coming home at the end of the day and going, I was so busy. I have no idea what I did is like, I was really busy, but I got this thing done today, you know, where you can kind of start getting those moments of celebrations and release where you can, just be more aware of how you're feeling.
0: I think I think that practice can work. I literally had this conversation with a, with a client of mine yesterday. It was the exact same thing. It. It's like uh, the, the overwhelm that a person feels is when you know they they don't have the ability to get their hands in it and, and, and accomplish anything. And certainly, if you have a, I mean, I think just having a family is enough to you know, to create overwhelm and just having a career is enough to create overwhelm, put the two together. It's like, you're drowning. But, but the point that I was trying to make was if you have a few, you know, you take all the million things you have to do and you put it in like three categories, like two categories, family, health, job, and then pick one thing out of each and then check those off. You will feel a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. And then you'll be able to actually feel like your life becomes a little bit more manageable.
1: Yeah. And it, it's a matter of consistency okay so you know i think a lot of people try things as adults right like um one of the things i talk a lot about is that we become experts in the work that we do so use my example as a cpa you know i became an expert in this so if i'm gonna go do something for the first time i'm not an expert and that doesn't feel good. Right, right. So we have to make ourselves keep going back and try it again. And, and we have to remember what it's like to be a beginner and that we don't have to be perfect. Everything we don't have to be the top of everything. It can just feel good or maybe it doesn't feel great the first time we do it. But the more we go back and keep doing it, then we start realizing, yeah, this is good. And we're training our brain to kind of break from the patterns that it's in, and and it's a good force to put yourself through. Um, I know I I learned bass guitar because um, my uh, son plays guitar, and so I was like, oh, I'll play bass guitar with him, and it sucked in the mm-hmm. beginning because it was like everyone I was practicing with they were they were like all knew what they were doing on the guitar, and I didn't. And then after a while it's like, you know what? I'm just happy to be playing rock music. I do not have to be the best bass guitarist <laughs> in the world. I'm just doing this for enjoyment. But then it reminds you like having that learning ability at work. Like we get so stuck in our ways at work and then new ideas come up and we'll say, Oh, this is the way we've always done it. We're not going to actually explore that. Well, this is what helps us with innovating. Cause if we see it in ourselves somewhere else, then we're like, Oh, I'll open my mind to this at work and maybe try it here too or give something a chance.
0: No, it's, it's, it's such an amazing, I, I think that that's much, that's more than just work. I think that like, and that's what you're saying. It's like, it's, it's life in general that we never want to show ourselves to be a lack of, uh, uh, to lack, you know, greatness. And, and I see it even in like the religious world. It's like, there's such a, a fear of innovation and a fear of, you know what? What's gonna What's gonna be said, and how are we gonna survive after this? And I think most truly great people have. I, I, I have it on my. I have it on my. I don't know if you've seen this book. It's called Originals by Adam Grant. It's It's an amazing book about how the people that started movements all had this tremendous openness mm-hmm. to always be trying new things and right. they weren't smarter they weren't any stronger than anything else and it's this like a
1: chance
0: yeah this ability to be creative yeah. I, I want even though even though it's so funny because i i pitch this a lot as a rabbi but i i love the fact that you're a yogi and a cpa to talk about this idea mm-hmm. your ted talk you talked about disconnecting right mm-hmm. and so from a from a jewish perspective there's this idea about the sabbath but tell me about what it means yeah. to disconnect and how do you do it effectively
1: Uh, I think what's really important is that you're present, Um, you know, whatever that is. We get so distracted with the technology that we have and all the demands that are people calling at us and so forth, and we don't turn that stuff off, right? And so if we're really going to take time for ourselves or even be present for the people around us, we have to figure out how to disconnect from all the outside Um, noise and uh, part of that is through tech practices you can put in place by turning on do not disturb or not having the phone right at the dinner table and things like that but also remembering the experience you want to create for yourself and other people so you know if, if you're meeting with someone at work and the whole time you're going oh just hold on a second let me get that. I just got to take this quick call. The experience you're creating for that other person is that they're not important. Even if you don't intend it to come off that way, that is how it comes off to that other person because they were prepared and ready for that meeting. So it's coming to those points in our day to figure out how do we disconnect from all of the other noise going around so that we're completely focused. We're not multitasking. We are focused on that present moment, whether it's by ourselves or with other people. And there's, you know, lots of tools that you can use to help you with doing that. But in essence, what you want is the experience you create for other people to be one people remember.
0: Wow. Um, What are some tips? How do you do that? Because I think that that's really hard.
1: (laughs) It is. Um, You know, some of the things that I suggest is, you know, a lot of times we set meetings for 30 minutes and then the next 30 minutes, and we're just constantly going and going and going throughout our day. And we don't have to set these meetings for, like, we can set it for 20 minutes, we can set it for 50 minutes to give us those moments to pause to know that we've got time to check our email, we have time to check phone calls. That So when we're meeting with someone, we're completely present during that experience and we're not getting distracted. The other thing um, as well that you can do during that time is what I call two minute meditation, which is literally setting a timer on your phone for two minutes and shutting your eyes. It's not peeking, it's like shutting your eyes, knowing that the, you know, the alarm's gonna go off but what it will do is reset your nervous system so that when you walk into that next meeting or that next experience, you're not bringing in with you everything that's already happened in your day that you, it creates some stillness in you before you meet with that next person.
0: Hmm. Um, Okay. Two two more questions. There's a lot. So it's, it's, it's so interesting. One of the things that, I'm curious about in terms of you know you as a as a mother or someone that speaks to you know grownups and and whatever you want whatever you want. Um, there is a lot of of these techniques that I think really work for kids, and yeah. I think as you mentioned with your own experience, I feel like probably with my experience as well, you don't get these techniques or you get, don't get these tactics from your synagogue your church wherever it might be your your school certainly not so how do how do people put these kind of ideas um of, of of finding center and of learning to disconnect how can you incorporate that in the life of your of your kids so that they come out more centered and don't have to wait till they're past 30 to start trying to you know figure figure things out
1: what's really interesting because I, like i said i own a yoga studio um is what kids want so when we started offering, we would offer like teenage yoga classes after school. We, so we have like a hot room and a non heated room. And so we figured these teenagers would want like hot power yoga if they were gonna come into the studio and they would come in and be like, can we just sit still? (laughs) So we switched everything to more restorative or um, meditation as well. because what they really needed was to get away from the chaos if they were, and it was interesting to watch. Um, and we do go into the schools and do some mindfulness training and meditation and some of the elementary schools as well to help teach the kids that. And really it does not take um, too long that you have to sit with a child to do it, but I would practice it yourself too. So you feel comfortable, but there's breathing exercises and so forth just to, to uh, calm your breathing down, and i 've used it with my own children when they 're really stressed out or can 't get to sleep at night of really guiding them through just counting an inhale for three breaths and counting an exhale for three breaths and just being really slow and steady and The thing is when you shift from your thinking mind to your breath, it immediately starts shifting your whole body and starts calming it down so I mean that 's just one tip, but there 's lots of great um, videos and books out there for parents on, you know, if you're interested in yoga with your children. We even we have virtual yoga at my studio that we offer to um with some of these kids classes online too.
0: So cool. Okay, so so how do people find out more about the important work you're doing in the <laughs> yoga studio and everything like that. It's great.
1: Uh, so my website is my name it's com. Um, and on there, there's also information for the B3 method Institute. So that stands for business plus balance equals bliss. That's the B3 method. And what we do is if you sign up as a member online, we send like a five to 10 minute learning piece every week, just once a week that you can then try. Um, it does some self-exploration, maybe a little bit of journaling, create an intention and mantra for your week and see how it works for you each day. And then the next week we layer on a little bit more. So it's not a huge time commitment, but allows you to start down this path. And we also have meditation videos and so forth available for people that sign up as members.
0: Fantastic. Amy, thank you so much.